art and creativity has a way of so quickly cutting through everything and speaking to something something much deeper. You know, Hollywood and entertainment in general has has a lot of power um, in really shaping the culture and, and the viewpoint and the values that we hold. Listening to Inside Acting, a podcast dedicated to demystifying the inner and outer game of success, games of success in the entertainment industry. I'm Trevor Elgott. And I'm AJ Meyer. I never realized it's uh, it's it's plural, and we've been saying game this whole time. Uh, I'm AJ Meyer, and in episode 266, Trev sits down for the third and final part of his chat with producer, executive coach, and performance consultant Michael Balshin, in which Michael shares how our brain are built for habit, something we've talked about on the podcast before, and how to train them in those habits, what his daily journaling practice looks like with a lot of cool takeaways you can incorporate into your own journaling practice right now, what he learned from meeting Pope John Paul II, and more. Support for this episode of Inside Acting comes from Rehearsal Pro, the next version of Rehearsal. It's the current version of Rehearsal at this point. It's the essential app for actors, and it is now available for your iOS device inside the iTunes App Store. So if you want to learn your lines, if you want to be off book for your auditions reliably, confidently, exploring your character, making stronger choices, booking the room, and doing some new cool stuff that's going to be unveiled to the public shortly. Go to rehearsal.pro slash IAP right now. Learn all about these great new features in this newest version of Rehearsal and get it for yourself. It's an essential app tool for your toolkit. You will not regret it. Rehearsal.pro slash IAP. Hey, buddy. Hey, man. It's so weird recording at night when we almost always record in the morning. The energy is very different. Do you feel it? The energy is different. Um, I don't know. Maybe? Yes? Yeah, well, we've got full days under our belts at this point, you know? So this is a, a timely interview for me, this third segment, uh, because I just started reading Gretchen Rubin's book, Better Than Before, which I know you read, AJ, and that had a pretty profound impact on your view of, of habits and sort of training yourself to, to do these good behaviors and stop doing bad behaviors and things like that. I'm a little past halfway through the book, and I'm, I'm really digging it, man. Um, I'm just curious, because we didn't talk about it when you were reading it, because I didn't, I didn't have any reference for it, but what was your biggest takeaway from that book? I would have to say, I mean, I have... <laughs> I feel like I should just bust it out. I have, I took notes like copious notes as I was going through every single person that has a unique way of building habits or, or, or ways in which their habit building is most effective, I guess. And there's so many different, um, ways in which we can categorize ourselves based on what she talks about in the book. I got a, a running note on my phone of all of these different categories, knowing more about who I am and the way that I operate when it comes to habit formation was, and I know that's the whole point of the book, but that was my biggest takeaway. 
Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it, the four tendencies, which is actually, from what I understand, the title of her next book. Her next book is going to be all about those tendencies that she talks about in this book. But um, just knowing that there are certain personality tendencies into which your sort of ingrained, inborn, you know, programmed response to habits kind of slots. Uh, I, I think that's that's a really interesting thing. Like if you're a rebel, for instance, you're going to set up and approach your habits in a very different way than if you are an obliger, which I think is what most people are. Actually, I am certainly an obliger. What's your tendency? Do you recall? I believe I'm with you on the obliger thing. It's either that or upholder. Hang on. I'm, I'm trying to find that note. The, the four tendencies is just one categorization of all of these, you know, different, you know, she talks about uh, night owls versus morning larks, uh, procrastinators versus like all these other things, underbuyer versus overbuyer, opener as opposed to finisher, which I thought was interesting because I listened to that book right after uh, we did the Jenna Fisher interview, you know, so she, she was talking about being a finisher and, and then uh, Gretchen Rubin brings it up again in, in, in the book. Um, I have, I wrote down part obliger, part rebel. Do you find that, uh, for certain things you need to go with the rebel tendency and for others you need to go with the obliger or is it pretty uniform as far as habits go? I think it's more about an awareness. Like I get to recognize that there is a part of me that is a rebel and notice when it's coming up. And then when it comes to the obliger part, just notice when I'm allowing commitments to others to uh, take precedent over a commitment I've made to myself, essentially. Interesting stuff, man. I'm really enjoying that book. Uh, I I should make it my pick of the week, but you already made it your pick of the week many episodes ago. So, hey, we've we've, we've doubled up before. <laughs> we, we have, we have. It's a good book. I, I'm I'm enjoying it. It's not quite like a five star read for me, but uh, I definitely am learning a lot about it. So, anyway, uh, a big thanks to uh, again, uh, as always, Grace Gordon for running our Artist's Way IAP cluster. It is rocking in there. We are heading into week six, I believe. Is that correct? Yeah. Week six of The Artist's Way coming up. Actually, we're, we're in it now as this episode goes live. So hop in and join us. Even if you're just starting The Artist's Way at week one or negative weeks at this point, you are still welcome to join us in the membership and uh, and kind of go through this journey with us because it's it's not like a – it's not like there's a spoiler in week six, I guess is what I'm saying, or, or other weeks. You can still join in and go at your own pace and just have the community there to support you and to hear you and for you to hear them, so on and so forth. So join us with that. It's pretty cool. And then also, we definitely want to give a big shout out to our marketing and web director, Gadali Guberek, who is running an awesome Kickstarter campaign for an awesome short film that he wrote and is producing and acting in. His brother, an award-winning director, is going to be directing it. He's got a Kickstarter for it. They're raising $10,000 at the very least. Of course, there are stretch goals. And he's, as of this recording, over halfway there. And uh, it's pretty cool. It's called Burgled. Yeah, so anybody who knows Kadali knows that this man, his talents are so incredibly varied and... So so he created a business card for himself. And the only way that he d- could describe himself is, is it says, Godali Gubrek, professional distraction. That's what that. it said on his business card. I don't know if he still uses them, but that that's a perfect you know example of how uh, varied and robust his skill sets, plural, are. And this film is going to be a 
amalgamation of all of those things uh, because he's really into kung fu. He's got a lot of uh, martial arts experience, but he's also a comedian and he's really funny and he's got circus skill sets with like juggling and, and magic and a whole bunch of other things in sort of that vein as well. So this is a combination of all of the things that sort of interest him and that he's good at. And so it's going to be, from my understanding, is it's going to be a sort of comedy kung fu film, uh, of which there have been some made in the past. But like, how cool is that as a foray into short filmmaking? Yeah, yeah. He, I would describe him, and I think he would agree with this. He's he's like part Jackie Chan, part Charlie Chaplin, and then part something else I can't quite put my finger on, but a sort of deadpan comic. Uh, type person. So you put all those things together in, in, in one guy and give him, you know, permission to create his own stuff and you got something pretty unique and entertaining. So we definitely invite our listeners to check out his Kickstarter campaign. Please support it if you feel moved to. Uh, our team, our entire team has uh, certainly chipped in and we're proud to and, and hope you guys will take a look at it as well. The link for that is on our website or you can, of course, visit Gadali's uh, website, which is just Gadali.com, G-E-D-A-L-Y.com. Uh, what's new in your world this week? Anything going on? I, I, I got kind of a slow week. Um, I have one sort of piece of good news. And then um, I had I have another self-tape audition that I get to put myself on tape for next week. That I, This will now be my fourth or fifth audition for the same role in the same play because uh, the play itself is produced so often. It was the number one produced play in, I think, 2015, and the writer won the Pulitzer. He, he won some huge award for it. Um, it's called Dis- Disgraced. There was actually a production of it here in Los Angeles a while back, and it was on Broadway, and Asif Manvi played the, uh, played the lead on Broadway. Um, but anyway, this is like the, the, the regional productions of it happen all the time. And, but the big piece of news is, you know, I talked about the meeting that I was going to have at the camera was the last episode of the episode before where I was talking about going in for a meeting with a commercial agency. And I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. And you were like, dude, you could be in national commercials. Don't sell yourself short. Uh, anyway, they, they signed me. So I now have commercial representation in Los Angeles. So that's kind of cool. And uh, who knows? We'll see what happens. <laughs> awesome, man. See what happens when you energetically release things. Are you, so how do you feel about this? Are you excited or are you just kind of rolling with the, with the waves or like what, what's, what's, your, what's your approach? Yeah, it's, it's both and. Um, I'm excited about it, but I'm also like, yeah, you know, whatever happens, happens. Uh, it was very cool being able to go in with that attitude. And, and I, met both, I met with both of the agents um, individually. And both times I was like, I don't, I don't know. I'm just kind of like uh, commercials. Like, I don't know, maybe, I guess <laughs> this is so cool because I wasn't being inauthentic, but you know, it, it allowed me to sort of, uh, be detached from the whole thing. And they were very cool in that they, they, they want to work with my look. So like one of them said these magic words, we, we dance to the beat of the theatrical th- the theatrical drum. In other words, they're going to go along with whatever's working for me theatrically. So the long hair and beard action that's happening right now, they're going to go, they're going to essentially go along with that because that's what's working for me theatrically right now. So they're going to send me out for quote unquote, the heavy, right? The bad guy. And so, you don't find that too much in commercials, 
like across the board, like, like, that doesn't happen often. But when it does happen, it's usually in an interesting commercial where the director wants to tell a story, sort of like a mini movie, a 30 second movie. And so you end up working with really interesting directors and really interest, interesting projects. And so they were like, hey, look, as long as you're you get that you're not going to be going out all the time, as long as you understand, you know, that you're not going to be getting three, four five auditions a week which a lot of commercial actors know that that those numbers are sort of what's required in order to book because commercial is more of a numbers game than any other aspect of the industry. As long as you understand you're not going to be going out that much, it's going to be great. This is going to work out really well. And I was like, yeah, I get it. And actually that works out great for me too because uh, commercials are like, not only are, is it more of a numbers game, but they are more last minute I have found than any other audition. It's like, you need to be, in, uh, you know, at 200 South La Brea, anybody who's auditioned for commercials in LA knows what I'm talking about right now. You need to be at 200 South La Brea in like two hours. Go. Yeah. And I'm like, meanwhile, clocked in at work. Yeah. Yeah. With several more hours left on my shift. So that's been my experience with commercials. So, uh, to know that that's not going to happen five times a week is actually a boon. I'm excited about that. So the, your uh, agent, or I'm sorry, your manager, Sandy, set this up? She reconnected with uh, the main agent there who I guess they've, they've known each other for a while. But also I have I, – I, I didn't realize I have mutual friends that are also repped by this agency. So when I went in, I was like, hey, so-and-so says hi. You know, it was kind of uh, cool to have that um, connection, you know. So if you – could impart a lesson learned from this whole experience um, to our listeners, a lesson that is not to energetically release something in order to obtain it. Um, what would that lesson be? Like, what, what did you take away from this whole experience of not being attached, going in, having a few connections, just having a casual conversation and it, it resulting in a signing? You just said one of them, which is being detached. You know, who was it? Amir Talai saying I'm professionally invested and emotionally disconnected. Like, yeah, uh, a commercial could pay off my student loans. A commercial booking could pay off my student loans, of course. So I'm professionally invested, but I was emotionally disconnected. If they said like, eh, you know, he was nice, but we're not really interested in him or whatever. I would I would have been like, OK, and and gone on with my life. So emotionally disconnected or, or detached from the, re- the, the results is, is a big one. The other takeaway is what, what that allowed me to do is go in and just be, like you said, super casual, easygoing. Here's who I am. And, and knowing who I am and what I'm bringing to the table right now because of my look, you know, uh, I said some stuff when I had the second meeting with the, with the other agent, I was just – the banter and the stuff that I've learned from the podcast and whatnot, I was saying things right before he was about to say them. So not quite like finishing each other's sentences, but he would say something and then I would say something in response and he would be like, yes, exactly. You totally get it. Uh, so for, for, for instance, he was like, you know, not only are you going to go out for the heavy, but you might go out for blue collar stuff. So maybe getting a picture of yourself looking sort of blue collar and <clears throat> he started to pull up a picture of one of their other clients. And I said, so basically like a dicky shirt, with my name on it. And he was like, Oh my God. And he turned his computer screen and he was showing me one of their clients in a Dickie shirt with a name on it. <laughs> Very cool. Like, That's Very exactly cool. what I'm talking about. And that happened several times throughout the, 
throughout the meeting. So just being casual, being myself, knowing myself and having, you know, a lot of really awesome experiences slash learns or takeaways from the podcast is also was was it was great to, to go in with that. This episode of Inside Acting is brought to you by VO2GoGo.com. You guys ever heard of this before? No? The award-winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best VO Training four years in a row. Well, if you haven't, you can learn all about it by visiting VO2GoGo.com slash start for a free getting started in voiceover online class that'll help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio, your acting tool belt. That's VO, the number two, gogo.com slash start. You know, I do have to say that working on the mic in voiceover is such an actor heavy thing. A lot of people think that it's all about your voice quality or the voices that you can do, things like that. But that has so little to do with it. It, Voiceover is all about storytelling, all about sharing secrets with somebody, all about taking them through a beginning, middle and end and understanding the conventions that are in the copy. And this is stuff that we see all the time. And if you are an actor, it is such a sweet fit it's just a really nice fit because you've already got the core skill set that's the hardest part to sort of learn and practice. All the other technical stuff is, is easy to pick up. So if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, you know, I keep hearing about this voiceover thing, I'm not, I don't know about it. Like, I think you'll really enjoy it. I, I can say that confidently without even knowing you. If you're an actor listening to this, I think you would enjoy voiceover work. Um, take a look. VO2Gogo.com slash start. It's free. There's there's no risk. You can just go and learn for free. That we make it really hard, don't we? <laughs> Super hard. I was I read this awesome, hilarious article in um The New Yorker. I don't know, it's not it wasn't an article. It was like this comedy thing called uh, I Work From Home. And it was about this guy who calls nine one one because he's just confused and he doesn't know what's going on. And he's talking to the 911 operator and you realize that he, he's, he's just been out of shape cause he's working from home. And, and she's like, I needed to, I need you to tell me what you're wearing. And he's like, I'm, I'm dressed. What are you talking about? She's like, have you showered? He's like, I, I think so. And then he looks down and he's like, no, no, I'm wearing pajamas. I thought these were jeans. Wait, I'm not wearing a shirt. I'm, I'm, I'm shirtless. And it, just, it goes on and on. It's really funny. But at the bottom of the article, the writer, the guy who wrote the article, it said, uh, you know, so-and-so is a blah, 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 this, that, and a voiceover artist. And I was like, I'm going to Google this guy's name. And I did, and I pulled up his website, and not he has, oh my gosh, so many national brands. I mean, the guy probably makes, you know, the vast majority of his good living on doing voiceover. And I started listening to his demos on his website. And I was like, this guy's so good at what you were just talking about, Trev, acting, like telling a story. No wonder he's working all the time uh, in all these different, you know, brands. And I was like, man, this is this is such an awesome skill set. And, you know, it really takes some 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 learning. So what a great place to at least get started, you know? Yeah. And, you know, so much of what's in the voiceover, the VO2Gogo curriculum and 
I'm not like David didn't ask us to say this or anything. I'm not saying this for my own personal benefit. This is just me talking. Uh, it, it's, it is an acting class. So much of it is acting. It's about, he covers the art, commerce, and science of the voiceover industry. And the art is all about acting. The commerce is all about the business side of things. So how to run a, a profitable, successful business and connecting with clients and, you know, handholding clients and taking them through a project from start to finish and following up. And, and then there's the, the technology part, the science part, which is about the software and the computer and, and the mic and all that fun stuff. But all of it is an acting. You put all of that together and you've got a really comprehensive take on what it takes just to run an artistic business. Business. And I, I just think it's so cool. There are a lot of acting classes out there where you only focus on one of those first two. You know, you only focus on the art or you only focus on the business. But in this one, you get all of them every single month on demand in video. And then you can go in and do the live workouts with David, with me, with any of the other instructors around the country. I'm, I just I love what David's put together. And I, I hope people, you know, at least give themselves the gift of checking it out because I think it's a very, very valuable resource. Well, after that extended commercial for yeah. Yoda Gogo, shall we jump into this interview? We shall. We shall. This is part three of my chat with Michael Balsh, and I hope you guys enjoy this. Michael's obviously a very interesting guy, very diverse guy with a very curious mind. He, uh, he certainly knows his stuff, but I think he's the last person who would admit that he knows anything at all because the, the greatest minds always know what they don't know. Um, and I would put Michael in that category. I really enjoyed talking to him. Hope you enjoy this third part of our chat, and we'll catch you on the other side. topic of, of spirituality and, and the divine and so, and so on and so forth. Um, you said you, you actually had the opportunity to meet Pope John Paul II yeah. and that it was a really cool story. Uh, I'd love to hear about this. So I grew up um, raised Catholic, went to Catholic schools, but, but in high school, I think I'd fallen away from, from the faith side of things or from the religion side of things. You know, there's, there's lots of mistakes that, that all organized religions have made, um, but was kind of questioning like, what, what do I believe? What do I think about this whole God thing and, and Jesus and, and, and whatever? And we had got the chance to have an independent study. Um, my high school did a really cool thing where in January you you had kind of two subjects that you just did for the month of January. And um, we, we planned a trip to go to Europe. And as part of that trip, we were going to go to Rome and to the Vatican. And we, we were lucky enough to get an audience with Pope John Paul II. Mind you, like at this point, I'm essentially like like a non-believer um, and, 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 you know, non-Catholic, whatever go to this thing and, and we're going and we meet with like the, the people at the Vatican the day before who are preface of, of what's going to happen. And they say, you know, they're going to come out, they're going to read the gospel, which is, you know, the, from the Bible and they're going to read in all these different languages. And then they're going to introduce the various groups who are there who speak that language. There's probably, I don't know, 1,000 or 2,000 people. So it was, it was, you know, it wasn't like us and him in a room getting coffee or whatever. It was like, like a, a small, small gymnasium type of thing. He says, that's what's going to happen. You get the opportunity to um, give a cheer or something. You know, lots of people wave, whatever. So we're brainstorming, you know, that night. And we go there the next morning. And 
you know, there, there's this, this cool energy in the room, just like this positive energy. And then the Pope wheels out and he, he was pretty advanced Parkinson's at that point, I think. And I tell you, I was totally unprepared for the feeling that I would have just him like entering the room. I had this, I, I really don't know how to describe it besides like love. Like I felt like he was grateful that, that I personally was there. Um, and that he was just like, so like compassionate and loving, like directed just at me. Um, and I'm sure that everybody in the room felt the same thing. I went from, from being like, I don't know what, what God or whatever that is to like, man, I don't know what this is, but I know that I can feel it. And I know that it's powerful and palpable and, and just, just so beautiful. I, I imagine that's exactly what like the Dalai Lama, I'm, I've, I've heard, I've read stories of people just like you look into his eyes and there's just, you're overcome with this like compassion. I, I imagine that these big figures of the past, um, you know, the axial age figures, including Jesus, like that's what it was, a, was like, like they, they were so in tune with this other bigger thing, whether it's God or Buddha or divinity or universe or energy, like whatever you call it, they allowed it to come through them. And I, and I felt that, um, with, with Pope John Paul II. And I knew like, okay, the Catholic church is not a great institution, but there's some bigger truth that's behind it at all religions. Mm. To finish the story, they go through, they read the, the Gospels, they get to us. Um, they're like, you know, from from St. Teresa's Parish in Springfield, Ohio, we have, you know, whatever. Um, and I stood up and I went, give me a pee. And then all my buddies, there was like, there was like <laughs> oh my six God. of my buddies. They all went, pee. And I was like, give me an O. And my buddies were like, oh, and then pee. What's that spell? Pope. What's that spell? Pope. And then we, we brought some shirts. We were going to take our shirts off. We figured that probably wasn't kosher. So we like brought some extra shirts and we like swung them around heads and we were like, go Pope. And the place went absolutely bonkers. The Pope gave us the best, the best response he gave to anybody besides the Polish people who had dressed up in like full get up and were singing Polish songs and stuff. You know what I love about that is just the, the idea that like, you know, with some of these like big religious institutions and I'm not saying they're good or bad or right or wrong, but sometimes they really foster this culture of like, you've got to be quiet and subdued and respectful and don't, you know, but, but if you look at like, if you take a look at the universe and I think what the, the creative force behind all this is all about. I'm pretty sure they would want us to be partying and celebrating and doing cheers like that. I, I'm pretty sure they look at some of our rituals that are, you know, sort of culturally very s stoic and, you know, quiet. And uh, and they, they're probably like, oh, man, these people, they haven't quite figured it out yet, have they? It's a party. Yeah. It's a party. Enjoy it. There's food everywhere. You know, the sun is shining. There's plants and other yeah. like Enjoy this. You know, we, we mentioned big magic earlier, but but I absolutely love. I mean, that, that that book had a big impact on me. But she tells a story of of Bali, the Bali priests, I yeah. think. But she, but yeah. but essentially boils down to like, and, and the sacred became profane and, and no one could tell which one was which. And like the tourists were all pissed yeah. off and the priests were like, <laughs> like yeah. we got them. Um, <laughs> yeah. But like, like, why not have fun? Like, you know, it, it, to zoom out far enough, we're on this tiny rock in the middle of nowhere with like surrounded by infinite space in all directions. Um, and we get to like be here and smile and, and like go to concerts and like make art and, and, be connected and like feel those feelings of love and like let's not get all frustrated and pissed off about what we call it or 
or whatever and who's got what piece of of whatever but like let's have a party like why can't we fucking have a party (laughs) Uh, yeah yeah although then i immediately jump back to that question of like there's gonna be people out there who say look the world's got a lot of evil and uh, you know that's true too yeah there's a story i heard on i think it was invisibilia or maybe it was this american life and it was it was a story about these people that were having a, a a nice dinner in Italy, I think it was, and it was sort of a quiet dinner. It was late night on a weeknight, and they were, I don't know, in someone's house or something. And some guy broke in to the house with a gun during this dinner and basically, like, showed up at this table of six people enjoying wine and stuff. And he, he pointed the gun at them and said, like, basically, I'm robbing you. Give me all your money. And they were all, of course, you know, terrified and frozen and didn't know what to do. And so one of them said... Uh, okay, but would you like to join us for a glass of wine first? <laughs> and, and the guy, they said the guy was just so like taken aback by that. And then after a moment, he kind of said, okay. And then they poured him a glass of wine and he sat down and they, this is a true story. I, I can't remember exactly where I heard it, but I remember thinking like, this can't be real, but this, the people who lived through it were telling it. And he said, and after, you know, 20 minutes of them all just sort of, you know, putting on, you know, a performance, basically <laughs> trying to act n- normal as if this guy didn't have a gun laying on the table, he got up and he said, I think I've got this all wrong. I'm so sorry, guys. Please forgive me. And then he left and he he left the gun on the table and he just walked out and they all just sort of went like, okay. And they looked at the gun and it wasn't loaded. And they realized that this guy had just basically needed something that he wasn't getting. And I think something about them welcoming him rather than reacting the way I think most of us would react is screaming and, you know, um, violence maybe and things like that. They just said, "Okay, what happens if we include this guy? Like some brilliant mind came up with that and and it changed everything. Yeah, Um, that's that. (laughs) And go on. I was just going to say, and then that's really the goal, right? I mean, I think, we're, you know, this is an acting podcast. So we're talking about the, you know, how this can apply in the big picture. We're talking about how can this apply to the journey of an artist building a successful and profitable career for themselves. I think it's it's pretty obvious when it comes from a ways of being standpoint. Um, but sometimes it takes acting completely counter to what your instincts are telling you to do because the world that we enjoy right now is the product of all our thoughts, all our triggers and all our reactions and responses and knee jerk everything, you know? So it's like, sometimes we need to be a little bit more conscious and deliberate about how we choose and everything we've talked about today, you know, meditation and and things like that, I think help with that. Yeah. The, so the, um, I love that story by the way. And the, 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 the takeaway for me besides like, dude, that's a friggin' awesome story. Um, is like, (laughs) using that that sort of same switch of of when people do things that trigger you when people do things that anger and upset you um and i try and do this and i i certainly fail at this probably more than i succeed at it but what i try to do is think like what might they be needing what what might they be asking for what might they be suffering with that's causing them to do this behavior and that totally totally shifts and i think real quick just to you know because because it is an acting podcast and i think that art has an ability to to cut through all the bullshit and to speak to that that deeper that that human component. My wife and I watched This Is Us, um, and I've I've found myself weeping at This Is Us probably more than I've cried in the past year. I, I've thought a long time about like writing books and you know in all the things that I've studied, and yet art and creativity has a way of of just 
so quickly cutting through everything and speaking to something mm. something much deeper and we feel it and that's why we're so drawn to art and that's why we're we we compensate artists so well because this is something that that really has the opportunity to change people and i think you know hollywood and entertainment in general has has a lot of power um in really shaping the culture and and the viewpoint and the values that we hold yeah. And, and so much of what we've talked about today is just uh, a practice. It's sort of like remembering to be conscious and to choose in the moment to behave uh, or choose intentionally. But I, as we record this, uh, a lot of listeners are going through the artist's way together inside our, our membership. And a big cornerstone of the artist's way is morning pages, which is three pages of handwritten, you know, long form brain dump um, journaling every morning. And I know you're a, a big proponent of, of journaling as well as meditation. And I find that journaling is kind of like meditation for people who aren't so um, eager to step into some maybe potentially weird Eastern mm -hmm. stuff. And so journaling feels a little bit more comfortable. I think it, 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 it's all part of the same sort of basket of, of goodness, though. Uh, and you talk about uh, teaching yourself to write like Leonardo da Vinci yeah. uh, and some lessons you've learned from that. And, of course, you journal every day. And I, I, it looks like you've got some specific things that you make sure to include in your journaling practice. And I think this is a, an essential tool for getting in touch with what makes us tick, how we respond to the world around us, and what we're really intentionally up to uh, with this you know one life that we have here. So... Uh, tell me a little bit about your journaling practice and maybe also a bit about why and how you taught yourself to to write uh, like Leonardo da Vinci, which I think is backwards, yeah. right? He wrote yeah. backwards? Uh, or? In mirror and, and left-handed. So, um, uh, yeah, yeah and, and I'm right-handed. But the I, I love morning pages. I actually just started incorporating morning pages into my journal a couple months ago. And that was on the uh, you know, recommendation from Tim Ferriss. So I've got, mm, my, yeah, my journal yeah. practice has got a lot of stuff in it. And it started with a five-minute journal and was another one of those things that, like, everyone says, hey, like, you should do this. This is a really good idea. This is really powerful. And I was like, yeah, but seems like it takes a lot of time and like I'm so busy and we're all so busy. Um, but started doing that and holy shit, it just it creates space in the same way that meditation does. And I think for the morning pages specifically, it's getting some of those thoughts that are bouncing around our heads and just getting them out onto the page so that like one, our brain can stop thinking about them. It's like, okay, whew, like he's paying attention. got that off my chest, like moving on. And then mm -hmm, two, to yeah. get, to get some more clarity, you know, we talked earlier just in, in writing and how writing helps you get clarity on things. My journal practice at, at night, I write down the three things that I want to accomplish the next day. So number one being like, if all I got was this one thing, um, then that would be a great day. And then potentially two more things. So up to three things total, that would, that would make it good. And then I write a couple sentences. Um, one says, Michael, I love and accept you exactly as you are. Uh, the other one says, this is the only moment you have. Be here now. Breathe, smile, laugh, relax, expand. Uh, and then the last one is, I'm an open channel through which love, wisdom, and abundance freely flow. And I actually, I write those in the style of Da Vinci. So that's, um, you know, if you held it up to a mirror, you'd be able to read it. Um, I started doing that. I broke my leg. Uh, my, my right tibial plateau just kind of blew it up playing rec league soccer. And I, I didn't even play soccer really. I shouldn't. Anyway, um, long story short, I couldn't walk for, for a couple months, couldn't put any weight on my leg. And I'm very, very athletic. I, I like to move a lot. And I thought I'm gonna go bat shit crazy unless I can find some other way to kind of occupy my mind. Um, 
Da Vinci had an iPad or there's an mm-hmm. iPad app that's got like Da Vinci's journals and he did a lot of studying of, of um, cadavers and kind of drawing anatomy. And so I was learning about my leg through this app that I'd bought, um, you know, years before and saw that Da Vinci's writing was all, you know, in mirror. Um, like that might be a fun thing to just kind of like train myself to do. I'm a, I'm a big, big believer in, you know, the growth mindset and how if we practice enough things like we can do it. And so I just started practicing writing with my left hand, um, which was my non-dominant hand and writing everything in mirror. Um, so it's not just like writing, you know, if I don't write hello backwards, like O L L E H, I like write the H like backwards so that the tall part is on the right side and the short parts on the left side. Um, and over time, I found that like one, I was actually able to do it Two, you know, they say that the creative, the creative side of the brain is the right side of the brain and the right side of the brain controls the left side of the body. The left hand. So I saw it as like a creative practice. Um, and, and, and also just like training my brain to, to like function in in different ways. And what I've found over time is that the reason I still do that today, it it forces me to slow down a little bit um, and to really be conscious and not just scribble these things on the page, but to actually like write down these sentences and and be like, think about them um, very intentionally. And then the other thing that's caused me to really do is like realize how much of the quote unquote rules around us are really just convention. Um, that like my brain is able to read this handwriting in mirror. Um, and, and most people can actually read it pretty well too. Like it takes a second, but your brain's able to make this flip, um, where, where you can see it. And, um, for me to like look around and be like, okay, left to right is just a convention. I can write it right to left. Um, and and it's no less real or, or, or correct. Um, it doesn't fit with everybody else. So, you know, we've agreed upon certain rules to help us all get along better, but they're not necessarily right in an abstract sense. And then the last piece of that is, is this really kind of big, big jump that, that might be too big for just this conversation, but, um, looking at yourself in the mirror and everything is backwards, right? So like when you look in a mirror, you know, everything's in mirror looking at a picture of yourself for so many people, you know, actors, when you're looking at yourself on screen, that is, the mirror image of what you're used to seeing the majority of the time. Because when you look at yourself in the mirror, it's flipped from what everybody else sees. That's why most of us hate looking at pictures of ourselves because something just doesn't seem right. And if you take a picture of yourself and you flip it, so like most computers allow you to do this, like to to show you the mirror image and you compare that picture of the flipped image to the picture that, that people typically see, you'll prefer the one that's flipped. Um, because that's, that's the one that your brain is used to seeing all the time. This notion that like how we see ourselves is fundamentally different from how the entire rest of the world sees ourselves because it's flipped is a big shift of like, Whoa, like maybe, maybe it makes sense to to look at things, how other people are looking at them from time to time. Wow. Yeah. And that's what a, what a powerful, like there's obviously concrete stuff there, but what a powerful sort of psychological metaphor as well. Yeah. Just to re- just to recognize that everything we see is a reflection of ourself <laughs> and that the world doesn't see that even when it comes to, you know, our thoughts. And, and that, that's one that I'll, sometimes I'll sit there and, and, you know, I don't think that every day, but everyone's like, Oh shit. <laughs> um, yeah. So that, that's the Da Vinci stuff. And then the rest of the journal, you know, there's an affirmations where I, I write down a bunch of words that I want to embody, whether that's loving or creative, discipline, playful, present, alert, alive, aware, yada, yada, yada. I, I riff on that for like mm. five minutes. I do a gratitude practice, three things I'm grateful for. 
And, you know, that's typically something close to me, a person. I try and switch it up every day, big things, small things. And then um, I write down at the end of the day, major things that happen. So any any meaningful lessons, things I want to celebrate or things I want to, to tweak going forward. And I actually have been for the past year or so ranking my days. So so like on a scale of one to 10, did today matter? Um, and last year, my goal was to have at least one day that was a 10. Um, and I had two and I've already had one this year. Maybe I've had two this year, but, um, yeah, so that's, that's another piece. Wow. Well, that's really cool. There's a lot of, uh, a lot, I've heard many of these practices from different people throughout the years. Like, uh, Chris Gullibo, I think, uh, had does a few of those practices. I got, I yeah. got that question from, from him at, uh, I, I had the chance to meet him at a, uh, he was doing a book tour that I got to help, help him put on. So, oh, that's so yeah. cool. I, I really enjoy his work. Uh, yeah, that, wow, that's awesome. So th- there's a lot there. And, and I, I do want to point out just for people listening, cause I'm, I'm not quite, um, my, my journaling practice is not quite as, um, involved as yours is at the moment, but I find that it does get more and more involved. And I just want to stress that there's really no right or wrong way to yeah. do it. I think as long as you're showing up and being authentic and honest with the page, you can't lose and you'll find over time the things that serve you and the things that don't. That's exactly right. I, I, I could not, I, I did not start my journal practice until, um, I got the five minute journal in a quarterly box from Tim Ferriss. Um, and that, that was like, <laughs> awesome. like I had tried to journal before and, and it, and it, it didn't work. And having this, it's a beautiful book. It, it's got five prompts and, you know, they say it takes like five minutes in the morning at night. And the morning is, is just three things I'm grateful for three things I would make today. Great. And then affirmations. And in the night, it's like three things that went well today. And then what could I have done better? And having that book and just yeah. being able to write like one or two lines, you know, one or two words, um, and doesn't take a lot of time, but having that gave me the, was, was able to get the practice started. Um, and then, and then it, it evolved over time, but yeah, definitely like, and, and the, the same thing that I, that I try and encourage people with meditation is like, it's easy to have this big goal and then to, to, to go out, you know, really strong out of the gate and then just stop. Whereas to, to really have things work over the long run, it's just get started and build a streak. And maybe that's one minute. Maybe that's your journal practices starting like every day. Just write one thing that you're grateful for or write one thing that will make the day great. Or, or, or maybe it's buying the five-minute journal. Just just doing, just actually starting and making it a practice and allowing it to to change over time as, as it serves you or, or doesn't. Yeah, yeah. I always find it really interesting too uh, and supportive to remember that there's changes happening in the brain when you start a new habit like that. And there's gonna it's going to take time for literally for your brain to physically reallocate the real estate that it puts towards these different activities. And so there's going to be resistance at first, but then after a while, it's going to feel weird if you don't do it. Mm-hmm. It's going to become this automatic thing. And that, and that literally there are synapses in your brain bending in the opposite direction to create these new these new connections. And I always find that's really sort of, uh, supportive to remember that when I do something that I feel resistance yeah. to, like just gotta, just gotta get those synapses to bend the yeah. other way. Come it's, on. Trey. Um, and I, I, I wrote a, a blog post about this, but it's, it's the same as with, you know, being kind and getting these shots of serotonin, like mm-hmm. in our brain, you know, the, the, the synapses kind of connect to two cells. Um, and every time we have a thought, it essentially tells the brain, like, this is an important thought. We want to have more of these. And so it, the dorky term is like it myelinates the, the sheath. Um, so yeah, it essentially like yeah. puts, puts down the substance that makes it easier for the transmission to pass between the two. And, and I like to think of it as like, yeah. you know, it, it moves from a dirt path to like a sidewalk to like one lane road, right? <laughs> and then like the more energy that you put on that thought or on that behavior, it's like 
giving it more resources from, you know, the, 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 the budget or whatever. So then you go from like a one lane road to a, maybe it's a two lane highway. And then the more you think, the, the more traffic, the more cars that are going there, the, the bigger the infrastructure is going to get until you have these, you know, five lane super highways that, that you guys are, I don't even know how many lanes you have out there. Yeah, I was like, five? That's tiny. I prefer it like a, a light rail, like a speed yeah. light rail. That'd yeah. be nice. Uh, what's the Hyperloop? It's coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Hyperloop. There we go. Build a, build a Hyperloop in your brain. That's what this yeah. is all about. <laughs> so, uh, Michael, this has been really, really awesome. I know we're tight on time, so I want to ask you our final two questions. We ask these of all our guests, and I'm really excited to hear what your responses are. We didn't get to talking about some of your uh, adventures as a producer and, and other things, but maybe we'll have to have you back to, to talk about yeah. that. Um, but uh, our first question is, did this career path or not career path, this, this journey, because you do so many different things. Did this journey choose you? Do you feel like you were chosen mm. or called to this uh, every step of the way? Or do you feel very much like it was an active you choosing it? Oh, that's such an interesting question. And I, I probably should have prepped for these. I don't know how I feel about a calling or, or being being chosen by a certain journey. I, I, I told someone once that like, I don't know that that this path is my calling, but I know that I felt called to do it. Um, so there was something that said, Hey, check this out. Not like, Hey, this is it. Like, this is the answer. Now you don't have to worry about it anymore because you've figured out what, the, what it is that you want to do. But it's like, Hmm, that looks like interesting. That looks like fun. And so in that sense, I feel like I was called, but not necessarily like, like this is the calling. Hmm. And then our second question is if you could take everything that you've learned on your journey so far, and this includes the biggest mistakes you've made, as well as the biggest uh, aha moments and realizations and epiphanies, if you could take all of that and then condense it down into one nugget of wisdom to pass along to somebody else walking this journey, what would that nugget of wisdom be? What would that one thing be? Be kind, trust yourself, and remember that we're all doing the best we can. Hmm. I love that. True story. Hashtag true story. <laughs> Michael, this has been amazing. If people want to find out more about you, connect with you online, uh, talk to you, where can they go? Uh, yeah, so I'm on Twitter, at Mbalshin, and uh, same on Instagram. And then my website is michaelbalshan.com. That's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-B-A-L-C-H-A-N. Um, and I'll create a special page for your listeners. So, um, slash, uh, I a P. Oh, great. Cool. That'll be very cool. Well, we'll make sure to have uh, links to all of that on our website, as well as all the various resources and books we talked about in this interview. Just check out our website, uh, the show notes for, uh, links to everything, um, that we discussed today. And Michael, we'll have to have you back to, to talk further about your producer. Love to bring my partner. And this is, this has just been phenomenal. Uh, thanks so much. Uh, folks welcome back big shout out to michael i hope i get to meet you uh online or in person uh someday soon um really awesome chat trev anything you want to sort of debrief on now that we're bidding adieu to the uh, entire interview series like i said earlier it was really timely for me just hearing uh you know i understood a lot of the concepts about habit formation and the the neurology behind you know how the brain works with repetition and the things we do and how we can sort of train and condition ourselves to do stuff and but but just hearing 
how he combines that, and not a lot of this was articulated verbatim, but it was sort of implied throughout the interview, how he combines that with the sort of more spiritual aspect of being at peace with this ever-shifting, ever-evolving, ever-unfolding journey of, of a, being a living human being, just kind of hinting at the, the connection between the hard and fast science of, you know, myelination and stuff like that, and your synapses in your brain, which he talked about, and then just sort of connecting it with, like, the sort of other side of the brain, which is just about emotionally moving through this world, trying not to be triggered by everything. Uh, I, I really, I just, I really enjoyed that. And it was timely for me because I'm going through, as I said earlier, going through this book by Gresham Rubin, all about habit formation. And I'm, I'm having a lot of aha moments, I think, as a result of this interview also being in my, my sort of, you know, realm of attention at the same time. So, I mean, we don't, we don't have time for me to sort of go through a list of all the things that have come up, but I would say the big one is, um, I don't think Gretchen uses this term in the book, or at least she hasn't yet, but the idea of micro habits. And I, I, this is something I remember you talking a little bit about AJ. She talks about in the book, how the habit of doing something is, is for her at least more important than the habit itself. So what I mean by that, or what she means by that is that showing up for something every single day and consciously making the choice to do it is more important than the actual thing that you are doing. So it's just about positive reinforcement every step of the way and practice, practice, practice. And I remember she talked about being a writer and she said she felt like she could consider herself a writer if she showed up and wrote every day, but oftentimes writing can feel like this big daunting thing. And so she committed to just writing one sentence a day. So if she showed up and she wrote one sentence, then she could call it a day and say that she was a writer. Now, how often are you going to show up and write one sentence and then just like, you know, okay, all done. I'm, I'm out of here. Like, it's pretty rare. You're pretty, pretty much always going to sort of at least write a paragraph or something. I know yeah. some famous writers uh, talk about how they just, I forget exactly who it was, but one very famous writer uh, just talked about how his only goal every day was to write 200 measly rotten words. And that was how he wrote like 80 plus books throughout his entire career was to show up every day and write 200 basically shitty words. And that's how it gets done. And so showing up and writing a sentence a day, it's just enough just to get the juices flowing. And if you know, if you're just not feeling it that day or you're just totally crushed for time, you don't have the mental defeat of breaking the streak that you've built up because you didn't have time to write for an hour. You wrote your one sentence. It still counts. You've still showed up. And it just wasn't the day for that. But but the next day you might show up feeling completely energized and write, you know, 2,000 words. I really appreciated that sentiment and I'm sort of applying it in other areas of my life. Just that micro, smallest qualifier, I guess mm. for lack of a better term, just like the least possible qualification to say, I did this. And, and mm. in a way it's really important because then it, you know, it, it ensures that you start attaching positive emotion to that thing. Whereas if you set a loftier goal that you only meet intermittently, you start attaching a negative emotion to it every time you don't do it. Mm. So it has to do with, you know, building your confidence and, and feeling like a success and trusting that you're capable of, of keeping your word, like all, all these things. So I, that's been powerful for me. And, and something about that overlaps with this chat with Michael. I can't quite quantify it yet, but mm. if I had to unpack it, that would be about as articulate as I could get. No, that's great. It, it reminds me of, well, it reminds me of being a finisher, 
yeah. uh, in, in sort of this micro version, like you're saying. And then it also reminds me of Ben Whitehair uses the example when people <clears throat> that he's either friends with or that or he's coaching or that, you know, he's supporting in, in building goals and habits. When they say, I want to work out six times a week and blah, blah, blah. He always says, you know, let's try to break it down a little bit simpler. And one of the things he ends up arriving at or supporting others in arriving at is showing up, wearing gym clothes, like in the gym or in your home gym. Um, and that's it. Like that's the habit, like literally showing up wearing workout clothes in the place where you work out. Right. And if you do that, you've accomplished it. So you can literally walk into the gym for instance and be like, okay, I made it. I can go home now. And maybe you do, but Chances are, like you were saying, Trev, with the one sentence, you're probably going to stick around and do a little bit of something. You you're already there, you know. So uh, I don't know. It just reminded me of that. Yeah, I, I think that's really the secret. Frankly, I think that it, the more I, I bought that book that Craig Ballantyne recommended in his interview, uh, Daily Rituals by Mason Curry, which profiles like a hundred a hundred plus great artists and thinkers and prolific, you know people throughout history and it, it, it sort of details their their rituals and what they find works for them and so many of them understand the power of like just doing exactly what you just described which is like just make it as easy as possible to just show up and do one little thing every day and and that's how you build the habit and and almost i would say probably two-thirds of the profiles that i've read in there already i've only paged through maybe a dozen of them but at least seven or eight of them all say the same thing. Like you just got to show up and do like, do the crappiest little thing you can do for five minutes. And if you're just not feeling it, then okay. But at least you showed up and just do that every day. And you're at least every day you're taking a step forward. Even if it's a micro step, even if it's an, a half an inch, you're still moving forward. Wow. Love yeah. it. Yeah. Good stuff. Love it. So, all right, let's do picks of the week. Yeah. Your pick of the week is one that I've heard of, but I haven't explored it. Specifically, but I think you've told me about it. I may have. I mean, I know you got really into travel hacking uh, a few years back. And um, this isn't really like, I don't know, it's kind of travel hacky, but it's basically this um, website slash email that you can subscribe yourself to called Scott's Cheap or Scott's Cheap Flights. Uh, the, the link to the, his website is on our website in the show notes. He basically just sends out this email. It's totally, it's, it's totally free. Like it's completely free. He has a sort of premium version or premium membership that you can, that you can sign up for and you get uh, more emails and I guess more exclusive deals, but he's not the one doing the deals. He doesn't get a kickback for any of this. He's basically just spends his time doing a ton of research on cheap flights. And so you can, like I said, you can essentially subscribe to this newsletter and then you'll get an email. You can sort of create a profile and say like where you are in the country and like he'll do his best to kind of get you emails that are relevant to your local airports. Almost every single email I've ever received is is at least 50% lower than a, than a typical flight to whatever country or destination that it's at least 50% cheaper than it would normally be to that country or destination. At least 50%. That's yeah. That's almost every single one. It's crazy. I just got one today and it's normally round trip flights to Australia, anywhere in Australia are in the $1,500 range, right? There are some 
there are some available right now in like the five and six hundreds. Wow. That's like a third. That's a third of the price. I click through to see what it would be from LAX. And yeah, it's like $740 round trip to Sydney or Melbourne. Wait, so what's that's the, the catch? Are you like, are you flying in the cargo hold? They're like, how is this possible? There's, there's no catch. Basically, it's a combination of a few different things. Uh, sometimes there are mistake fares, right? Where, where, uh, where an airline literally just makes a mistake and he catches it and you can sort of cash in on it at the time that it happens. Uh, sometimes it's just like they're just running a discount or running a sale or running a whatever. Uh, and it, it, so he's not doing anything except keeping his ear to the tracks or his fingers to the pulse of – you know, the, the, the various uh, airlines and when they're sort of running deals and then he just forwards it along to this list and it's totally free. There's there's there is no catch. There, there is no catch because he's not he's not making any money off of you booking the flights because you can go and book them through whatever service you want to book them through. So I imagine he makes a little bit of money on advertising, maybe in either his emails or uh, on his website. And then he has, like I said, this premium you know, membership that he, that he offers. Um, it's really cool. And, and, you know, if here's the thing, we can't all drop hundreds of dollars on round trip flights to places all over the world all the time. But I was thinking about this and I was like, Hey, maybe there's some of our listeners out there who made a new year's resolution to travel more. So let me give you a tool to support you in doing that. Uh, so there you go. The scottschickflights.com. You can uh, check it out on our on our website. And once again, we're not getting a kickback for that either. So and get signed up and get the emails. It's fun. Sometimes I'm just like, oh yeah, man, Barcelona would be so great this time of year. <laughs> and then I move on. I just get a big smile on my face and then I move on. So it's really weird. It's really weird. You just mentioned Barcelona because I was just scrolling through his website and I just scrolled down and I started reading a testimonial. It says my girlfriend and I booked LA to Barcelona next April for $560 each. And you said Barcelona right as I was reading the word. So it's a sign. It's a sign. You got to go, Trev. You got to go. Wow. This is cool, man. His website looks great. Yeah, it's, it's fun. I mean, look, even if you, uh, here's the thing, I've never bought one of the deals when they've come through. Like it hasn't happened yet, but I, you know, it may someday. I mean, this Australian one is like, oh my God, you know, half off to Australia, which is one of the most expensive places to get to from Los Angeles because it's so far. It's so isolated. Uh, you know, it's, every time it comes around, I'm like, man, I could just throw this on a credit card. Couldn't I? Yeah. Keep that debt down. Do, 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 do. It's tempting, you know, but it, like I said, it usually puts a smile on my face and I just move on. <laughs> oh, cool, man. Cool. 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 All right. Well, I'm going to add that to my list for sure. You should. You have an unconventional pick of the week this week as well, don't you? Uh, I guess so. I, it was a, a Christmas gift that I got, and it's been really life changing. It's a. It's just a speaker. It's a little Bluetooth JBL speaker. You know, so you, you pair your iPhone to it or your computer to it, um, and it's small. It's maybe I don't know the size of a you know a, a hoagie for anybody who's from Philadelphia, a sub for anybody else in the country. But it's it's just uh it's it's got such great sound. It's got great battery life. It's really affordable. It's like eighty or ninety bucks, depending on which color you decide to get. Um, I guess some of them are actually a little bit more pricey than that. But but I, the one I got uh, that I sent to my family, I was like, I you know if you guys want to get me something, I'd love this. It was ninety bucks, 
And uh, it sounds great. It, it, like I said, it's got great battery life. It's portable. It's very water resistant. I mean, I wouldn't drop it in the pool or take it in the shower, but you can have it by the pool and not worry about it, you know, getting splashed on. Um, and it's just, you know, I, I have an Apple Music membership and I have a lot of podcasts I listen to and I do a lot of cooking in the kitchen. And so I'll just set this thing up um, and, you know, pair my phone and just and have this great sound system and wherever I want. I can just carry this thing around the house with me and I can take it with me to friends' places and I didn't have a, a good speaker system. I had these other JBL speakers that I bought years ago that broke. And so I was just listening to music on headphones or via these, you know, tinny little laptop or iPhone speakers. But now I have this like good full, you know, full quality audio speaker again. You know, it's not like a full fidelity type thing, but it sounds bigger than it looks. And it fills a room for sure. And I'm just enjoying it so much. It's just really added uh, a lot to my life. So there's a link on our website to it. It's the JBL Charge 2 Plus Splash Proof Portable Bluetooth Speaker. Uh, I have the black one. It really looks pretty sharp. And I just, I love it, man. It's just been, it's one of those things that you wouldn't think would upgrade your life so much. And yet for me, it really does. I, you do not need to explain this to me there. We sell a speaker like this at the store. It's very similar. It's by, by ultimate ears. And it's one of my top recommendations when people are asking about Bluetooth speakers. So yeah. I totally get it. It's so great. And it's amazing now how small these things can be and how they can just fill an entire room with, with sound, like, like just great quality, you know, f- dynamic sound from this little tiny thing. You stick it in the corner and all of a sudden the whole room just sounds awesome. So I'm really enjoying it. So uh, check that out. Links to uh, check out the speaker as well as Scott's cheap flights are on our website in the show notes. Take a look, travel, bring your music with you. You can now. And I think that's it for this episode, yeah? (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Today's episode was produced and hosted by me, Trevor Algott, and AJ Meyer. Jen Levin is our production coordinator. Gadali Gubrek is our marketing and web director. Be sure to check out his Kickstarter program, uh, I'm sorry, project, Burgled. I almost said gurgled. That'd be weird. Uh, Deborah Smith is our community manager, and Fern Lim designed our beautiful Kick-Ass logo. You can sign up for our weekly email dispatch and listen to all of our episodes at our website, InsideActing.net. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. And if you got a minute, go ahead and leave us a, a review on iTunes. It helps us out a lot. Big thanks to our sponsors, Rehearsal Pro and VO2Gogo.com. And a big thanks to you guys, our listeners. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly newsletter. It's free. It's fun. It's got a lot of good stuff in it. Uh, you can uh, share Inside Acting with your friends, of course. That helps. Word of mouth is great. And, of course, you can also support the continued production of the show with a small or large financial contribution it can be a one-time thing no strings attached tax deductible uh, via paypal paypal easy for me to say square or venmo just visit insideacting.net slash contribute or you can sign up as a member for seven dollars per month cancel at any time or buy a year in advance at seventy dollars so it's like getting two free months and uh, that'll give you access to our private message board you'll get invites to exclusive events and meetups you get freebies bonus content and a whole lot more as well as just the satisfaction of knowing you're giving us a budget to work with so we can really uh, plan out how to produce this thing each week and and bring you hopefully better and better content as time goes on visit insideacting.net and click on the membership tab for that option thank you so much for listening we'll see you next week in the meantime take one little step 